Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Welcome to UK Tech Weekly, where nerds have gathered to discuss America's huge, sprawling, incoherent mess, and no, not the one in the White House, but consumer electronics show that senior staff writer Don Preston is just back from. Hi. And this week, you're more likely to find him on PUBG than in a pub, which bodes well for our games coverage. It's Lewis Painter, games editor. Hello. And we've got a lot to get through, with a trade show, expensive cardboard for adults, and an early first look at one of the year's most anticipated games. Let's record. So, uh, as if Thanksgiving and Christmas weren't enough, uh, the tech world deems it fit to descend upon America straight after to look at lots of big tellies, creepy robots, and a shitload of tech that won't ever get sold. But, among all the noise, Don Preston, uh, you were able to dig out some stuff we might actually be able to buy. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the CS is its usual sort of weird, massive, loads and loads and loads. The big focus is always on the stuff you're never going to want to own. Uh, last year, one of the headline-grabbing things was a smart hairbrush. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I went to look at that. It was <laughs> as bad as it sounds. Yep, this year there was a smart litter tray for cats. Uh, how is it smart? I, I don't actually know. <laughs> I, I purposefully avoided seeing the smart litter tray curious, because I, I don't want to know anything about that. No, that's no. like yeah, It's a pretty basic concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something we need to smarten up a lot. I don't Animal shit's in here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think there, there are a few more interesting things. Um, very phone light this year, which CS always is a bit, yep. but uh, particularly this year, there was the Galaxy A8, which is sort of like a slightly cheaper, slightly smaller Galaxy S8. Yeah, so, I, I found that quite interesting because the specs and the design of that are actually a little bit more premium than you might expect. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's not a bad looking phone. Uh, it does look a lot like an S8, but a bit smaller, which actually appeals to me because I find yeah, the S8, I think even if, the regular S8 is a bit big, I think. Yeah. The front of it looks a little bit like a Pixel 2 XL, but shrunk down with, like, with the bezels, but you still yeah. get that curved display uh, OLED as well, I think. So, uh, yeah, yeah I think not, so. there's not much compromise there. It's yeah, cool. it's nice. I mean, it, it's it's a bit pricey for the sort of mid-range market. It's £500, I think. Okay. Um, mm. So it's yeah, kind of face stiff competition at that price point. And that puts it right in the crosshairs of can, like Honor and OnePlus. And you so. can also get an S8 for about £500 on Amazon anyway. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If you don't buy straight from Samsung, they're, they're not a lot more. But then probably that means the A8 will drop pretty quickly on True. Amazon and, and through some of the carriers. Uh, otherwise, phones, uh, Sony released another two mid-rangers, the X. Period XA2 and XA2 yeah. Ultra. That's it. This is true. It's a big deal for America because Sony's had this weird legal thing where they never quite have explained it, but these are basically the first two Sony phones for years, or well, probably ever, that have fingerprint sensors yes. in the US. 
every other every other high end. Yeah, yeah, they've had to make US versions without the sensors. They, apparently, they have them in, but then firmware blocks them yes, from being that's used. It. Right. Okay. Very so interesting. That might be exciting if you like <laughs> big bezel mid range Sony phones. <laughs> But they've put the fingerprint sensor on the back now rather than on the side. Right, yeah. Um, but apart from that, one thing I did want to ask both of you about, Lewis, I know you went there, but you've just reviewed the Razer phone. Yes. Um, uh, that's Project Linda, which mm-hmm. is strangely named. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Proof and concept at the moment, but they are actually apparently debating making it. Uh, what is it, and is it is it exciting? Uh, I think it was. it's exciting if you are in this specific niche of people that own or intend to own the <laughs> Razer phone. Uh, and it's a laptop. It, it's, so it's a laptop, so it, it's it's... Looks a lot like a laptop, except it's basically got no real innards. You slot your Razer phone into the point where you would normally have a trackpad on yep. a laptop, so the phone's touchscreen becomes the trackpad, and then you've got, uh, you know, a functioning laptop with a nice display, uh, full keyboard, all that stuff. It's a bit like a Samsung Dex, which like lets you use your Samsung phone as a computer. By so it's running like a, a desktop version of Android. But yeah, exactly. Um, the, so, but basically, the difference is just it's all in a laptop form factor. There's a screen included. There's a full keyboard included all that stuff. Uh, and it looks as slick as you'd expect anything from Razer to look. But obviously like, no price point because they weren't intending yeah. to sell it but then got all this good coverage, right? Yeah, I think this is probably... Um, it was them testing the waters a bit to see what people thought. Yeah. Uh, their, their stand at CES was drowning in awards. So uh, <laughs> I think it's clear the press at least really like it, whether that will That's, really translate really... to consumer interest. Exactly. Because I think the problem is it's a niche within a niche. Yeah. Uh, they... The Razer phone is a niche phone. It's an Android phone for gamers. And then you've got to have the niche within that who also want a laptop powered by their phone, don't already own a laptop. <clears throat> and we have no idea what kind of price they're going to try and charge for it. Like, how many people realistically are there that... Because the, the, thing, that, the thing that sprang to mind for me was um, something else Lewis has also seen and used is the Acer Predator 21X. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, was nine grand, which probably the Linda would not be. No, we hope but, not. But they actually <laughs> did put that on uh, sale just because they could. Yeah. Um, but Lewis, what do you think of the, the Razer phone? Uh, just to segue for a moment, like, is it is it worthy of all the accolades it's been getting? At its RRP, I think it's a little bit pricey. How much but, is it? Uh, it's it's five, uh, 695 okay. um, in the RRP, but you can pick it up for 595 at three. Uh, so it's £100 yep. off straight away, which yes. I think kind of makes the difference because it doesn't have the, you know, it doesn't have the 18 by 9 display. It doesn't have that sleek premium look that other you know the iphone 10 has the uh, s8 has um, i heard you getting pretty excited by 120 hertz refresh rate, though. The display that display just makes the whole like for for a gamer you know you when, when you've for years you've only had 60 hertz refresh rate and then you go up to 120 on a phone you don't realize what you had before and what you have now you know right. it really does make a difference from everything from just you know swiping around menus on the phone to playing the latest games it's just more responsive and it's just yeah it's really enjoyable so you think even like scrolling uh, down the timeline people are going to notice that ghosting's disappearing oh yeah okay 100 yeah oh, yeah cool. notice it throughout the phone it's really cool oh, excellent. and you've also got the game booster app which i absolutely adored because you what's that uh, briefly um you it allows you to customize what um, hardware is used when you're playing games so if you want it mm. to be running at full resolution you can run it at full res but if you want it to drop down to 720 to save on battery life or if you want to drop down the cpu usage or something or the frame rate you can do all of that on a per game basis so nice. it gives you really granular control oh it's a per app you, can, that you have installed yep that's really cool. Pretty damn cool. <laughs> okay, nerds, uh, pay attention. Uh, you can get that right now, but we'll wait and see whether uh, Linda comes to fruition. Um, Dom, um, what else did you see at CES that you thought was actually worth? Well, you, uh, wrote, you wrote a few things up, obviously. Yeah, I think the big thing that surprised me was the uh, Google Assistant smart displays. Uh, the only one I saw in person was uh, Lenovo's one. but that's So they're basically Google's answer to the Amazon Echo Show and Echo Spot, which yep. I think is the new smaller one. Uh, so they're basically smart speakers like an Echo or a Google Home, but they've got a, a touchscreen on them as well. Um, 
I'd always looked at the Echo Show as a nonsense product to nonsense people. It didn't make sense to me. Why would you need a screen on a smart speaker? It, it seemed idiotic. Uh, then I actually played around with the, the Lenovo one and it all kind of clicked into place. Uh, and that's not saying that this is better than the Amazon one. I haven't used the show, to be clear. But it's sort of is what made me realize, oh, this makes sense. And part of that, I think, is Google has the benefit of YouTube integration. Mm-hmm. So they have some cool stuff with that. Um, so, yeah, because um, Amazon, the Echo Show, which Lewis, I need to ask you about because you reviewed it. I did. Um, they recently, as we discussed, I think, actually on this pod, uh, took yeah. away YouTube integration from it. And yeah. it, it, it looks like a petty spat, but also Amazon was subverting Google's um, advert. Uh, role at the beginning yep. which is why they took it away because oh. uh, they weren't getting the ad plays that yep. they promised um, but this way not made by Google but we're probably going to assume we're going to see some actual Google hardware at some point yeah eventually I expect so so right now we've got one from Lenovo uh, which is the one I've seen uh, and JBL and LG they've all shown theirs off at CES they will do sometime this year sort of around the £200 price point generally uh, and Sony are also making one, but they haven't shown okay. any of that. Because I was looking at the brands that were making them. They all kind of make sense, but the JBL one was the one that stood out for me because um, because of the audio background. Mm. Yeah. You're going to hope that that's going to actually be better than some of the um, the Echo products. Like, what, what are the speakers like on the show, Lewis? I think the show speakers are actually quite impressive. Okay. Um, surprisingly so, actually, because when I first yeah. plugged it, I was kind of like, oh, you know, they're going to be all right, but they're not going to be anything impressive. But the, in terms of kind of room-filling audio, like yep. it, it's really impressive. You don't really have to turn it out very loud for it to be better. And, you know, yep. it kind of projects very well. Um, <clears throat> but initially, yeah, I was kind of the same about the whole display thing. Like, why do you need a display on a smart speaker? But after using the show for a while, I kind of understand it a little bit more. But I agree with Dom that it's it's nothing without YouTube. So, yeah, the YouTube stuff you can do on the Google ones is stuff like not just ask to watch a YouTube video, but also uh, if you're, say, following a recipe and yeah. it's giving you directions and it gets to one step, the sort of demo they showed me was, you know, you get to a step where it's about how to prepare rosemary and you say, oh, Google, show me a video on how to prepare the rosemary in this recipe. And it will go to YouTube and find a relevant video of someone okay. showing you how you strip rosemary leaves from the stem and how you chop them up. As and then it goes back to the recipe. That does sound cool. But obviously, as you uh, probably noted, um, these kind of demos are always something that they know is going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And in yeah. practice, really, like I have a, an Echo that I use sporadically, uh, just the Echo Dot. Yeah. But sometimes I say to say things to it that I think it's just going to do easily and it doesn't know. Yeah. Um, so the big question, but yeah, as you say, is always, will it pull this off well in real world usage? If it can, if it can be good about contextually finding YouTube videos, that could be really powerful for a lot of people. If it just finds you the wrong thing every time, then it's it's junk. Yeah. Um, briefly touching on um, laptops. I know yep. CES is a big one for laptops every year. Not usually anything that exciting, uh, save for this laptop, maybe. Um, I wrote up the Dell XPS 13, which, again, is um, yep. popular with Windows laptop, but it's kind of iterative. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of becoming user-unfriendly by becoming more expensive, taking away USB-A, which is to be expected from the industry. But yep. did you see anything there this year that um, is a sign that 2018 is going to be any different for laptops? There, or is it just going to be more of the same Ultrabook kind of thing? There are a few interesting things. So one small thing... I guess on the XPS 13 point is there's the Asus ZenBook 13, yep. which is that same kind of premium Ultrabook experience, slim build. It's actually a very similar uh, build and size to the XPS 13, um, but they focused on making it light rather than thin and have made a point of keeping in the USB-A ports. They made it just thick enough to keep in USB-A ports, okay. but focused on weight rather than thinness, okay. um, which is an interesting does move. That, does that mean that you get better battery life? 
Uh, do they claim that? They are claiming, uh, actually a bit worse than the XPS, but XPS battery life is very solid. They're claiming yeah. 15, 16 hours, I think. This Dell claim like 17. Yeah, I think the, the XPS think. 13, they were claiming like 19 or something ridiculous. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not going to happen in real world use. No. no. <laughs> um, What's more interesting for battery life, so I mean, the, the really interesting laptop stuff this year is, is actually chips rather than um, the specific laptops using them. So on the battery note, we saw um, they'd first been unveiled late last year, but we got a better look at the first few laptops with uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon chips running Windows 10. Yeah. Uh, so these are basically smartphone processors, but now stick them in these. So some of them are laptops, some of them are sort of uh, hybrids, um, you know, tablets with yeah. keyboard included. Um, and they are boasting sort of m- minimum 20 hours battery life. They claim, they say they can do 20 hours continuous video playback, a month on standby, uh, probably... You know, reps are sort of cautiously saying you could get at least a few days of average use. <laughs> These are interesting I, for, for quite a few reasons. Um, one is the, the, the ability that potentially you can have something that will be sold to you as a laptop that can have a SIM card. Yep. Um, but then interesting also that Qualcomm's gone with the laptop um, route rather than trying to build uh, these Snapdragon processors into tablets. Yeah. Um, do, you have, do you get any feeling as to why that they've done that just to make them more useful or to differentiate or is it an admission that really like people will just have a phone and a mobile computer rather than a tablet in between yeah I think it's a recognition that the tablet space in the market is just shrinking and shrinking I think more and more when you get a tablet what people really want is a two in one so of the three Snapdragon devices one of them is a pure laptop which is the Asus Nova Go um, but then the HP and Lenovo devices are both two-in-ones. So okay. they're tablets with detachable keyboards, but the keyboard and a um, stylus are included in the price point rather than being optional extras you have to pay for. That's always a good thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, you are getting out of the box a, a full laptop experience, and they've both got very nice keyboards. They feel, you know, they're not little sort of flimsy, foldy-up covers. They're solid things that feel like part of the design, but you can separate them and use it as a tablet if you want to. Okay. So I think they are trying to have that best of both worlds thing. Uh, they know it is a, a mobile chip, and they know, I said, part of the benefit is you get uh, 4G access through the SIM card. So a lot of people want that in a tablet form factor, but then they give you a very solid keyboard experience as well. Yeah, it's always been it's always been something that I thought um, companies have struggled to communicate to market. Like, obviously, a smartphone, you, obviously, it's going to be 4G. Yeah. Whereas uh, even the iPad Pro now, which has an eSIM in it, where you can actually very cleverly um, buy certain data plans, depending on where you are. Yes. It's not been communicated very well, and also just maybe that the, the market need isn't there, and I think yeah. places struggle to sell 4G tablets. So um, I'm not sure how widespread these kind of things are going to be. I mean, I think the, the Qualcomm stuff is still relatively niche um, in this market. I don't think my mum knows about it. No, right, <laughs> but, exactly. Um, it'd be interesting, yeah, to see to see where uh, they go. And before we wrap up CES, Dom, um, what do you think of Las Vegas? <laughs> it's the first time you've been. It is the weirdest place I've ever been. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, unreal is the only word, I think. So you do just walk around feeling like this is, this is pretend. This is a pretend city. Yeah. None of it's real. It, it is, <laughs> everyone said to me, going there, it feels like a theme park. And I just sort of like, oh, yeah, because it's like gambling. Ah, like a theme park. No, it really feels like a theme park. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got hotels that are just built to look like a New York skyline or like a medieval castle or yeah, whatever. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 very, very odd. <laughs> fond memories, Lewis? Very fond memories. Yeah, I loved my trip to Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I, I was 
blissfully unaware of how much walking I do yeah. <laughs> before seeing Everything looks very close because yeah. everything is so big and you get thrown off by the, the horizon. You're like, oh, that's yeah. not very far because that's miles away. But actually, that building that's just there is about a 40-minute walk. <laughs> yeah, and it's always so... That's the, the, the main thing I remember about Vegas is it being so busy that you couldn't get cabs, you couldn't get anything like that. You had to yeah. just walk because if you were sat in traffic, you'd be sat there for hours. You might as well just walk, yeah. yeah. Well, we had the double whammy this year because they pushed CES back a week, which meant the end of it clashed with uh, Martin Luther King Day weekend. Uh, so lots of tourists so everyone like, descended on Vegas because <laughs> it's a three-day weekend yeah. for a lot of people in the States. Oh, it's going to be a busy so one. So CES ends and then immediately <laughs> it was rammed with uh, tourists just visiting the city. Okay, and then just to one last thing on this before we move into a games-heavy uh, section... Um, <laughs> to yeah, splice the two together. You've used it, Dom. You love it, Lewis. HTC Vive Pro, is it a big deal? I think maybe. It's, that's such a boring answer, but maybe. So it's an, so <laughs> an, un- an untethered version of the, yeah, of the Vive. No, no. So this is the interesting thing. They're really pushing Please the wireless me. thing. <laughs> the wireless adapter is actually sold separately. Yeah. They're marketing that as if it's part of the Vive Pro. When mm. you buy a Vive Pro, you do not get the wireless adapter. That's a separate thing that so... also works with the Vive. They've really got two products that they launched this year. So if you buy a Vive Pro... A wireless adapter and the Vive Pro, and they're different. So the Vive Pro is tethered if you buy it. The Vive Pro by default is tethered. So how how is that different to the original? The Vive Pro has a high-resolution screen, 78% increase. It's not quite 4K, but it's uh, getting closer to it. Um, And and it's got integrated headphones, which is the same as the deluxe audio strap you could buy for the original Vive. But that was an extra £100. Strong knowledge. Before, whereas now it's built in. The big thing actually for me from using it is it's way more comfortable. They've completely changed the ergonomics. It feels a lot lighter. It's not, they didn't release specs, but I think it's about the same weight. But when it's on your head, it feels lighter. It's more comfortable. There's less pressure. Um, They've adjusted the center of gravity, so it's not as front heavy as the first generation device was. So you could use it for longer and not feel that kind of like, oh, I headset weighing my face down feeling that you used to get. Um, I think really the wireless adapter is the more interesting thing oh, yeah. and they've just sort of been a bit misleading in the way they've marketed it as part of the Vive Clearly, Pro I thought that was the case <laughs> it's, it's really not yeah I thought I was writing everything up and then I realized wait these actually aren't the same product they're, they're totally separate do either of them have a retail price uh, no no retail price and no release date I think this is my issue with the Vive Pro is that the um, the, the Vive you know someone at Vive has said that the Vive Pro is going to be the premium option yeah. when I thought the Vive was the, the premium Vive was option. already the yeah. premium VR <laughs> yeah, choice it's, it's so literally the, yeah the most expensive one on the market already so how much is it at the moment it's uh, £600 so which can, is after a price drop yeah so this one could push 1000 yeah I mean, when, the wireless, when the especially Vive, with the wireless adapter, if they, I'm sure they'll do a bundled version where you get the wireless adapter thrown in, and that do, would be. Do a you grand. think? Sorry, what were you going to say? I was about to say the first generation Vive, uh, when it was released, it was almost 800 pounds. So, yeah, yeah. yeah do you prepare. think that the combination of pro and wireless adapter is also going to mean that people are going to have to update their rigs as well? Yeah. The, the just the upgrade in resolution means you're going to have to properly update your rig, even if you've got VR at the moment. Fun yeah. times. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, obviously I'm going to do that dumb thing. Dom, Preston, CE yes or CE no? <laughs> CE yes. Yep. Yeah. We had a lot to talk about there. Um, I think it was it was quite a Dom Preston-esque uh, show, Yeah, there was a lot of stuff uh, I enjoyed. I mean, it's, it's a very weird experience. And, and I actually didn't even get onto the fact that it, the uh, whole show experienced a massive power cut on the first day. Oh, yeah. And all the lights went down. <laughs> and they just, they just bowled on and just kept doing well, it. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was because it rained. Yeah. Um, it was the um, like Vegas equivalent of when everything stops in the UK because there's like Some a, snow, few, yeah. a centimetre of snow. They had a little bit of rainfall and everything broke. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Lewis, CES, CE, you know. I'll say CES. Okay, cool. We're, we're, we're positive this year. Um, things might actually get made uh, from CES. We'll be right back to talk about some paper. 
Not content with reinventing the console market every few years, Nintendo has now cropped up this week and announced some overpriced cardboard cutouts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, before Lewis and Don lynch me, may I let it be known that I actually quite love Nintendo. Uh, I own a Switch and a 3DS, actually. And I have had probably, I was thinking this morning, more Nintendo products uh, than probably any other company ever, not just in gaming. Um, but despite this, <laughs> what the hell <laughs> is Nintendo Labo, Lewis? Labo. So basically, um, Nintendo is bringing out a bunch of accessories, cardboard accessories that you build yourself. And this is part of the, 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 the overall novelty is that you get these uh, flat pack accessories, you pop them out, you follow a step-by-step guide on your Switch. And then you have these accessories that interact with the Switch itself in the, a bunch of mini games that come with the cardboard. Okay, so you, you spend... Roughly, is it, is it, is it, do we know if there's more than one pack of these things? There's two packs at the moment. One's a variety pack with a bunch of different things in it, and then there's one that's specifically about robots. And they're both £60 RRP? Uh, no, £160 and £170. Okay, so the price is you're getting some, you would assume, quite hardy cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and, and some um, software as well to put onto your Switch. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and the the adverts we've seen, sort of a Switch turning into like a little mini keyboard organ kind of thing. Yeah, the keyboard's a really cool thing because it's just, you know, how it works. Because when you think about it's just cardboard but somehow you know nintendo's managed to use the little joy con slot one in and then use the ir sensor that's mm-hmm. built into the right joy con yeah to watch the keys and then work out what's being pressed and then translate that into noise on the switch yeah dom you were saying yesterday Mental. you get little the, yeah so, so there's there's ir tiny little ir stickers infrared stickers in the pack as well and yeah the way the piano works is there's a sticker on the back of each key so when you press down on a key it lifts up the back and thus moves the IR sticker into view of the sensor on the Joy-Con. Yeah, that's pretty nuts, which is on and the bottom of the right controller, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, pretty nuts. And this has kind of come out of the left field. No one no, this was, was really totally, expecting yeah, this. There, there was the word um, the morning of the announcement that Nintendo were going to announce something. 
Mm. And there'd been speculation for a day or so that, you know, sort of rumors had broke they were going to announce something. No one knew what it was. Then Nintendo said, yeah, 10 p.m. tonight, we're announcing a new way, a new interactive experience, I think they called yeah. it. And no one really knew what it was. There was actually a lot of people trying to say, saying like, lower your expectations. It, it's something just for kids. It's people thought maybe it's just going to be some more Amiibo stuff or something. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this totally left field thing. They'd shown a handful of press, but I think three publications in the UK, a similar number in the US. So really no one knew about this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird one, but I'm, I'm reticent to um, mock Nintendo because I do like them. Uh, and by, for every misstep they have, like the, I know you guys like it, sorry, but the Wii U was perhaps not the best idea. And they've, oh, yeah. They've, I mean, they've made, good, sure. made, made good <laughs> with the Switch. But um, it, as you said, do you think it, it is just for kids? Like I know Wii like this sort of thing, like the, the piano thing looks cool, but there was also one where you can basically build like a, a whole, like, was it like a... An a, exoskeleton. Yes. Yeah. That's the word, cardboard that's the word robot suit. Very cool. <laughs> cardboard robot suit. But, um, you know, the, the, the bloke who bought uh, the Switch to play on his, on his commute to work might not be so up for dressing yeah, up as no, a robot. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely pushed at kids and I, they're trying to go into that um, educational game space that you see a lot of like the mm-hmm. Sphero and things like that doing all those coding toys. This is a kind of engineering equivalent. So apparently a lot of the software side of it, as it's teaching you to build these things, it's also teaching you why they work. It's okay. teaching you about the fact that it's IR sensors on the piano keys that the Joy-Con is going to read. Yeah. So kids are understanding that side of it, the technical side of why it works, and also like the mechanical side, like why we're attaching this bit of string to this and it's going to pull on this and that will pull that thing down. So it's that kind of idea that kids both having fun and also learning engineering principles and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's that's to be um, that's to be uh, applauded because um, we talked about it before again in this podcast how <laughs> we're all tech journalists, but probably yeah. compared to last generation and probably the one that's coming up actually, um, we don't really quite know how all the stuff we yeah. use works. <laughs> it's getting beyond yeah. this. <laughs> and, and I can't I can't code. Yeah. So anything yeah. that Nintendo pushes to sort of educate kids about what they're actually using and sort of seeing it as quite a, a diverse tool is quite good because yeah. you look at like Sony and Microsoft, yes, they have, particularly Microsoft has, has toes in the education space, but in terms of their actual mainstream consoles, aside from VR, there's yeah. not a lot else apart from buy this console, here are some amazing games. Yeah. But... Um, these auxiliary things uh, that Nintendo do are quite yeah. surprising in a nice way. And I think it also comes from Nintendo's background. Uh, you know, bef- they made a lot of stuff before games and they made playing cards and they made little toys and things like that. And it comes from they've always treated, for better or and sometimes for worse, they've always treated video games as toys. Yeah. Whereas they're, they're, they're quite reluctant towards the sort of trend of treating video games as an art form and sort of, you know, like films or whatever. They're more like, no, these are toys. So this is them going back in more in that direction and more kind of saying, look, yeah, let's make cool toys for kids. I think, I think it, it do you think it might be important for the Switch that it does that? Because even though we love it and you've got something like Mario, which it presents itself, the Odyssey game, that is yep. um, that's quite a playful, toyish kind of thing. But mm-hmm. then you have, um, opposite to what you were saying, the Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, is very cinematic. Yeah. It's very much presented as a like, sort of like a, quite a quite an an yeah. adult experience yeah. in a way, despite Zelda often appearing quite cartoonish. Yeah. Um, is this them sort of saying okay, maybe we haven't had as many games out that have rocked the world as we'd like. Here's something else we're doing, and this is a platform beyond the games themselves. Yeah, I think that's partly it. I think it's them finding something that for them should be a pretty solid revenue stream, like Amiibo yeah. was, something that sits outside the games. Um, and they're encouraging people to kind of get involved and get creative with it and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So, you know, and and um, I think it was you that were saying that there was um, a bunch of... Um, toy cons that were in the trailer that aren't actually available now so there's yes. going to be a lot more of these so, so they're even calling planned. them toy cons toy cons are the name okay. yep, yeah. which is <laughs> ingenious i love it yeah um 
Yeah, I think I think they're very open that this is this is for kids. If you're sort of a guy in your twenties or thirties listening and thinking this sounds rubbish, it's not for me. It's like yeah, it's not for you. Yeah, it's for yeah. kids, and uh, that's fine. Uh, they're making it for kids. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, kids I think, and big kids. As well. Yeah, they they said it's <laughs> kids and kids at heart, which yeah. I think is the space space. It makes sense. Nintendo's entire business model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it makes sense. It's interesting. I was listening to some people. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a parent, but I was listening to some parents talking about why they might be taking this kind of strategy, and they were saying that from their kids' perspective, the Switch isn't always that interesting because mm. the kids already have iPads. Yeah, okay. and from a kid's perspective, well, they can play games on an iPad. The Switch doesn't seem that different. The novel features that blow our minds about the Switch are look, for a lot of kids aren't okay. that thrilling. Uh, yeah. But this is something the Switch can do that the iPad fucking can't, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is something the Switch can do that nothing else can, and yeah. it's a real sort of proposition of yeah, get this for your kids. It's not an iPad. It's not a tablet. I, I think I think that's like a real shame because I think when I was growing up, my parents were always slightly. Um, uh, hesitant about um, letting me play games and buy games or whatever because they were like, oh, is it going to fry his brain? Yeah. It's not books. But actually, ooh, I think um, quite a lot of the games I played did actually shape how I viewed culture yep. uh, oh, without yeah. being too wanky about it. And, and, and yeah, they were very entertaining. And I, I think I got the um, the bounce right, and I think they did. And it's yep. odd to me now that kids growing up, uh, actually their parents have been like, look, you should you should play this, you should have this. But yeah, the, the tablet this. is just this weird thing where kids love tablets and everyone else is like, nah, I'm not too bothered. Yeah. But because it's like the on-demand thing, so you don't have to sit up till eight o'clock to watch a program, you yeah. can just yeah. binge the entire thing. And that instant gratification thing. And um, despite what David, <laughs> our colleague might say, mobile games are not as good <laughs> as, <laughs> con- as console yeah, games. No, yeah. um, in, in the way that they actually make your brain work. Yeah. Right? Um, and I'm, just to finish on that note, um, Switch... You've played more games on it than I have, probably, both of you. What can we expect from it, apart from um, ToyCon uh, stuff over the next few months? Uh, well, we this year it doesn't look set to have anything quite as big as Zelda or Mario from Nintendo itself. <clears throat> Even um, that statement to me is a big deal. An entire year where a console won't have a flagship Nintendo game. Yeah. Well, it, well, it, well, I think the thing is that is always the case for a Nintendo. A Mario comes every few years, a Zelda comes every five or six years. This is not unusual for Nintendo so they, at all. they really need to bang the third-party drum now. Yeah, so the, the big first-party games, I think, are probably Kirby and Yoshi, yeah. um, which, again, are skewing a little bit younger. I think after an opening year where they skewed towards our age group, they're now going to hit the younger demographic yep. to try and lure, lure, lure parents in, basically. But they've um, also got the rumour of Pokemon games yeah. being developed for the switch there's which, constant yes. speculation about pokemon switch so we don't know maybe um and maybe it would make sense yeah they have to right they'll be one eventually surely yeah. please um <laughs> and metroid won't be this year right? metroid won't be this year yeah. that'll be next year um but i wouldn't be surprised like the way they've done this like labo this announcement they announced it just now it's coming out in three months okay nintendo are very capable of having surprise game reveals like that so they, i wouldn't be shocked if there's something big coming out this year from them we haven't heard a word about yet um, also, an Animal Crossing game is pretty probable with yep. the mobile game having just come out. Good point. They use Mario Run to hype up Odyssey. I wouldn't be shocked if Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is to hype up Animal Crossing Switch. Mm. Um, and yeah, also as you said, third party S- Switch sales have been massive. So now every everyone wants to port their game <coughs> to the Switch because they now it, it's not the Wii U. It's selling so much better than the Wii U. You put a game on the Switch, you will sell copies. Mm-hmm. So everyone is going to do that now. And when are the big games shows this year? E3's um, in June. <clears throat> June. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Gamescom in August. 
And then you've got Paris Games Week kind of at the end of the year. And you've got a few other kind of... So, there's so Tokyo at some point. Oh, yeah, Tokyo. Yeah, kind of early September, usually. So all like game that. stuff yeah. is like, yeah, the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing There's nothing big for a while. Tradi- traditionally, game releases are all jam-packed into the back half of the year. Spring yeah. and summer is usually pretty quiet. So mm, Okay, well, thank you. We will talk then after the break about a game that is out in the first half of this year. It is, actually. Excellent, yeah. brilliant, cool. <laughs> I'm glad I guessed that correct. Um <laughs> And quickly, uh, Lewis Painter, Lab Oh Yes or Lab Oh No? Lab Oh Yes, I yeah. think. Give it a go. Yeah, Lab Oh Yes. Yeah, I so it's resounding. Cardboard is cool um, from the pod. We'll be right back to talk about a very highly anticipated game. Ever since 2004, Far Cry has grown to be regarded as one of the most inventive first-person shooter franchises. Uh, they're generally set in wilderness environments. Am I right there? You are right there. Excellent, cool. I read that well on the on the internet. Uh, but with no discernible narrative trail, uh, Lewis and Dom, uh, Lewis in particular, you have played Far Cry 5 before most people in the world. Yes. Um, does it reset the Far Cry scene all over again? I mean, it's, it's kind of what we've seen from previous Far Cry games, but they've added a, a, a few elements to it. And I think the big thing is that this time it's set in America. You know, usually these are kind of set in kind of quite tropical, quite glamorous, or not glamorous places, but, you know, far-fetched places. Yeah. And this time, for the Americans, it's at home, and it deals with religion and cults and stuff like that. So okay. it's, it's very hard here, and it's very um, relevant, I'd say, to what's kind of going on at the moment. So what's the... what's the? Well, I'm not sure if anything you uh, have seen is embargoed, obviously. Um, no, I'm good. Are you good? Okay, cool. <laughs> Go, t- tell, tell us, where, where, where is it set? What's the, what's the idea behind it? So that? it's set in the fictional um, Hope County in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically there's a preacher named Joseph Seed um, and he believes that he has to save the county from inevitable collapse whatever that means so he establishes Eden's Gate um, which sounds great sounds lovely you know save everyone brilliant in reality he's actually a radical preacher and Eden's Gate is actually a militaristic doomsday cult um, oh, okay. and they go around terrorising yeah sounds great <laughs> and yeah they go, they're basically going around terrorising the um, county and it's up to you to kind of fight back you build up that resistance and take them down so did yeah. you manage that in the short amount of time <laughs> surprisingly not <laughs> hey, it's a long game really. didn't <laughs> yeah. quite wrap it up in that no, yeah, you know, hour didn't, or so didn't quite nail it down there uh, but it's just you know the, the thing I like about Far Cry is that it's, it's it's an open world game so you can go and wander and do what the hell you want um, but especially in Far Cry 5, I've noticed that random events just seem to happen and they seem to just e- explode so quickly. You, like, mm. you, you can't really know what's going on. Like um, I was playing at one point, I was just driving down a road, uh, quite quiet on my way to a mission. I see a tractor in a field. I was like, okay, this is you know nice little setting. Blah, blah, blah. And then the tractor starts coming towards me. And I was like, okay, yeah. a bit weird. Uh, and then, yeah, the guy in the tractor started shooting at me because he was part of the cult. Um I started, you know, obviously return fire, and then I clipped his tank. The tractor blew up. That that attracted other people to come in towards me oh, and start okay. fighting me. Yeah, yeah. I got some backup from my resistance team because you can um, you can have like guns for hire, yeah. uh, up to two or three people that will give you backup in times like this, which is very very handy in that game. Um, and then yeah, it just keeps on going from there. Like you know, there was people coming, I was killing them, and then helicopters came with rockets and missiles, and it's just like what's <laughs> so the, going the, there on? Are, there are elements of uh, Grand Theft Auto in there. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, it's, attracting it's, it's, attention and sort of yeah. stuff, cacophony happening around you it's that same yeah. sort of sandbox feeling and yeah where you kick you start something off there might be a chain reaction of of other people noticing and things can just escalate which is good so right quickly. because we've seen a lot of um or you more accurately you both have seen <laughs> open world games on uh, platforms bigged up no man's sky uh comes to mind where they, they, they um, say it's open world but really what you're doing even though you're kind of choosing is relatively on rails mm. but this is more you think a sort of a huge world in a game 
I mean, uh, I, I got to explore one little area of the huge open world, so I don't know what it's got yep. in store in general. But, um, you know, with with games like Far Cry, you can kind of wander through and you'll kind of stumble upon people and things and places that aren't, you know, uh, very important to the main story. But they'll kind of give you a little bit of background knowledge. They'll give you a little something to do. And I think as long as it has more of that, we should be OK. I, don't, yep. I just don't want a repeat of kind of older um, open world games where, the, you know, the actual land is huge. But then there's nothing to do in it because yeah. what's the it's point? It's just running around yeah. in a quite nicely rendered yeah, exactly, <laughs> environment. Yeah. What's the yeah. point in running around a nicely rendered forest with nothing yeah. to do? <laughs> Ask myself that all the time. <laughs> what uh, console were you playing it on? Uh, PS4. PS4, and will it well, also PS4 be... PS4 Pro, technically. Okay. And will it make a difference to uh, gamers whether they have the Pro or not? Uh, yeah, the Pro gives you close to 4K. Uh, I, I don't know if it's actually 4K. It's probably you know, dynamic 4K. Okay. It's kind yeah. of upscaled. Um <laughs> And it'll probably be the same for the Xbox One X as well. Xbox One X, I imagine, probably would be able yeah. to hit the 4K mark, uh, like a proper 4K. Um, so, yeah, there'll definitely be a benefit over the pro users against the standard users. The standard but, users can still yeah. run the standard game. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Run yeah, just, this is the kind of demanding game that I think people will see a, 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 a proper uptick in performance. If oh, yeah. <clears> I still find this um, fascinating. Um, even though we see it um, in other markets, like, for instance, the smartphone market, you can download... Um, Super Mario Run on your £100 Wiley Fox phone, whatever, yeah. or you yeah. can download it on um, like the, the Razer phone, maybe. Um, so what? where is the gaming market going in the same way that you can buy this game, but it will run better on other platforms? Will they phase out the older consoles at some point, or do you think we're just going to have to sit with two for a while? I think, uh, I mean, the big thing was that when the, when Microsoft and Sony announced these high-end consoles, they were like, we're not getting rid of the standard ones, because people were worried that, you know, yeah, yeah. people would, you know, you'd start you getting the 4K like stuff, and you'd be like... quid for a console. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's, and it's telling, having come out of uh, Black Friday a couple of months ago, you know, a lot of the biggest stuff around on Black Friday was console deals where you're getting a console and a few games for 200 quid. Yeah. Like, they just can't offer that kind of value and that kind of entry into the the market with the high-end stuff. No. They're, they're identifying two different sort of markets, really. It's people who want a games console to play a few games or who aren't that fussed on technical performance will buy the £200 one, and then they've got them in the ecosystem, yeah. and that's what they want. Cool. But they also know there's the super demanding, hardcore gamers yeah. who are willing to spend four or £500 on their console, um, and what they're trying to do is get them to buy that rather than buy a high-end gaming PC. They're mm-hmm. trying to lure them away from the PC market yeah. and back into high-end consoles. And do you think that that is a um, a good thing? And is it going to work? Do you think gamers are actually going to be better off uh, buying consoles where they don't have to fiddle around with the settings? Because before, um, to, I would assume yeah. to most of the market, um, high-end uh, PC gaming is a little bit too, too exclusive. Yeah, I mean, um, the whole point of a console is it's just easy. You know, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to switch out things every year yeah. or so. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. And I think that's where the appeal is. And um, if you you know if you've been a PS4 gamer since the PS4 came out, you don't really want to jump ship to PC because all your games are on PlayStation. You don't yeah, want to yeah. have to rebuy all the games again. So Sony offering something like the PS4 Pro, giving you a higher end experience, you're like, okay, well that's my middle ground there. Yeah. You know, I still got my games. I've got that you know faux 4K playback. And what more could you want? You know. Yep. Um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> when is Far Cry Five out? Uh, end of March, twenty eighth or twenty seventh. Okay. And you, 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 <laughs> sorry, I won't, I won't Solid hold you to, research. I won't, I won't hold you to it. And you, you have something up on Tech Advisor right now. About yeah, we've it. got a preview up on Tech Advisor. We're going to get some gameplay videos up in the next few days as well. It's going to be exciting. Cool. Check stuff, out yeah. TA Gaming for that as well. And let me just wrap it up without putting you too much on the spot. I've already asked you about the Switch. So in the Microsoft and Sony world, what other games are you guys looking forward to uh, soon? Red Dead Redemption Two. 
but that's the, everyone's been looking forward to that for years, right? <laughs> yeah, is yeah, is right. it actually the year? I think, yeah, because they pushed it back from fall 2017 to spring 2018. I'm kind of dubious that it'll get pushed back to the end of 2018, but I feel confident that it will come out at some point this what year. What is taking so long? It's Rockstar. Like, they <laughs> yeah. take ages doing anything. But, you know, with, with, with companies like Rockstar, you don't really mind giving them that time and that leeway because you see what they've done with with Grand Theft Auto 5 and, you know, Grand Theft Auto Online. It's, you know, the game came out in 2013 and it's uh, had its most popular month in December 20, uh, 2017. With GTA 5? Yeah, really? uh, GTA Online. Oh, right. The online, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, five years after release, it's still you know insanely popular. They're releasing free old free DLC updates all the time for it. So you know if you get that yeah. kind of quality and that kind of bang for your buck yeah. with Red Dead Redemption Two, I'm all over it. How long was it since the last one? Good few years. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, quite a long time. It was three days. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then Dom, is there anything that springs to mind for you? Uh, I think Last of Us Part Two is yeah. probably the biggest one upcoming for me, and that's probably a while off. I think realistically, that's going to be next year rather than this year. Even, even the original yeah. is still a bit of a, an underground hit, isn't it? Or yeah, did, or did it's it break? Did it break into huge mainstream? critical success? But I, I don't know how well that translated into sales. I think it did well, but not a massive, massive blockbuster. And I think it did quite well. It got a remaster on the PS4, yeah. which is how I actually played it. Okay, um, which I think helped it find more yeah. people as well. But uh, yeah, no, I, I love the original. I think it's really. Really fantastic, and Such I can't wait game. to see what they can do. With nice. Time. Thank you both very much. So, Far Cry 5, Lewis, uh, high five or dry five? Definitely high five. It's a very positive pod, isn't it, Dom? I take it you're going to say... I'm a bit less Ooh. sure. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> my Why, worry... dry? Why is it dry? Why dry five? My worry is... I think it's going to actually suffer from the comparison to Assassin's Creed Origins, yeah. which is the other big recent Ubisoft game. That did well, in part because they took a big break from the series and changed things, revamped things, looked at the series and really figured out what worked and what didn't, broke it down, built it up again, and everyone loved it. Far Cry 5 looks like Far Cry 4, which looked like <laughs> Far Cry 3. Okay. It looks like more of the same to me in a different setting. It worked it, which will be fun. It'll be a fun game, I'm sure, but I yeah. worry it's a bit samey. Maybe, maybe uh, it's coming from the critical point of view where um, that's what the critics say. Um, but then again, I'm thinking back to, is it Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, where they tried to mix it up, stuck it in space, and everyone was like, nah. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. That backfires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the audience kind of maybe does want more of the same, but I totally take your point. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to play it uh, in March 27th or 28th, everyone, and, um, <laughs> and let us know. Uh, this has been UK Tech Weekly. Uh, we actually have had two this week because I edited the last one too late. <laughs> uh, but thanks for listening, and see you soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.